Come on, make some noise if you're excited in the house today. Man, we're excited to get into the Word. You can go ahead and open your Bibles uh, to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2 is where we're going to hang out again today. Uh, we're going to finish up a little bit of what we did last week. Um, so glad that you're with us. We're going to jump uh, right in. So we've been in this series, Start Fast. Finish strong. And um, man, I just believe 2020 can be our year to crush it if we do this thing right. Anybody with me in the room? Oh man, about four of you, but we're going to get there, right? Uh, I believe 2020 can be a great year. So we want to start fast with some progress and make some movement. And then we want to finish the year strong. We don't want to fizzle out in February, March, April. We don't want to just be to a place where it's like, oh, that was back then. I'm ready now. You know, I want to, I want to get where I know God's called me to go. And I know you do. You do too. And so we've been talking about the story of Elisha, and we've been looking through that story, and it started uh, the last Sunday of 2019, and we're in this thing called Start Fast, Finish Strong. And, and so we've been in this thing where we've talked about how Elijah uh, was a prophet of God, and, and he did many miracles, and great things were taking place. And then God called him to mentor and raise up a young man named Elisha. And Elisha was to carry the mantle, carry on the ministry after Elijah was gone. And so he goes and he finds Elisha uh, plowing a field and, and working in the field um, that God called him to work in. And, and we've talked about the importance of staying in our field and being faithful with what God's called us to do, even when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's frustrating, when it's sweaty, when it's just not pretty. Uh, stay in your field. That's where God will find you because he's called you there. And we talked about that. And then last week we looked at 2 Kings chapter 2 to where Elijah and Elisha crossed over and Elijah asked Elisha towards the end of their relationship to put some parameters around this thing. Like, what do you want from me? And we talked about last week how we've got to learn to answer the question, what do you want? What do you want in life? What do you want from God? What do you want for God? What do you want for your family? What do you want for your church? What do you want not just from, because if we only answer from, we become consumers. But if we, if we answer for, we, we become contributors. And God didn't raise us up and die on the cross so that we could only consume everything that everybody else does, but so we could contribute to what he's doing in this world. And so we've been in this thing and we're talking about how do we make the progress, and we've talked about burning the plows and getting rid of the past and moving forward and doing what we need to do. And then last week we talked about, man, it's just time to answer the question, what do you want? What do you want? And today I want to talk to you about this. You can title the message this, Ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. No, my name's not Rob Deerdeck, and I don't wear flat bills. But uh, I, I, ridiculousness, because I want to talk to you about being ridiculous sometimes. And some of you are like, yeah, she's ridiculous all the time. Right? No, that was a joke. That was a joke. It's okay. It's after 11. We can laugh at that stuff. Um, and so I, I'm excited to see where this thing's going to go. I want to tell you a quick story about fear. Because I think fear talks us out of making a lot of steps that God's called us to do. I think we get really afraid to make steps because they're ridiculous. And, and can I just tell you, God works in the ridiculous God masters in the ridiculous. God does incredible things in the ridiculous. I want to tell you a story. Anybody ever heard of the movie Rocky? Anybody remember the movie Rocky? All right, if you haven't, go watch it. It is incredible. Uh, a great story. And, and so Rocky was written, and you know it stars Sylvester Stallone. Well, Sylvester Stallone uh, was at a portion and a period in his life where he was expecting a baby. He couldn't afford rent on his Hollywood apartment. And so he goes and he takes four days and he writes the screenplay to Rocky. In four days, he writes Rocky. 
the screenplay. And so he goes and he takes it to producers and he takes it to all these people and they offer him a ton of money. They ask him, they're like, man, we love it. Here's what we want to do. We want to buy the screenplay from you and, and we're going to give you this amount of money. And I mean, I don't know about you, but that's, a, that's an answer to prayer. I'm, I'm hard on my luck. i got a baby coming. I can't afford rent. There's a ton of money sitting in my lap. And, and Sylvester Stallone looks at him and says, no. He said, no, I don't want that unless I can be the lead role, the star character, if I can play the lead role in the movie. That's the only way you're getting my screenplay. And so I don't know about you, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because if you needed the money, take the money. Don't worry about the, being the star role. But he knew that this could catapult his career. And so he took a risk. They paid him way less money. They took the screenplay. As you know, he starred in the film. There were prequels. There were sequels. Now there's Creed that's out that's based off of all that. All these things are taking place all because why? He took a risk and he said, I'm willing to risk what I need to risk in order to see something happen later down in the, in the future. Erica Jong, I, I, I'm going to be really transparent. I don't exactly know her whole history of life. But she has a, a quote that I absolutely love, and, and it's this. She's got a quote that's kind of become a little famous, and it says this. If you don't risk anything, you risk even more. Think about that for a second. If you don't risk anything, you risk even more. Sometimes we have to, it's going to come on the screen, you have to risk the ridiculous in order to see the miraculous. Sometimes we have to risk looking, acting, being, feeling ridiculous in order to see the miraculous. I know over eight years ago, whenever I knew God called us to start a church, it was ridiculous, y'all. We had everything going for us. It was a great period in time for our life. We had our first child was on the way. Right. I, I, I was I was I was making very good money at the church I was at. We were averaging over 100 teenagers a week. We saw amazing things taking place. Leaders being raised up. It was incredible what was taking place there. And I was traveling all over the southeast doing kids conferences and youth conferences. I was training leaders at other churches like it was a phenomenal season for me. And in the middle of a phenomenal season, God looked at me and said, it's time to leave and go start a church. Y'all, my wife told me I was ridiculous. Her parents told me I was ridiculous. My parents told me I was ridiculous. Everything around me said that was going to be a ridiculous move and it wasn't going to make sense, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I had to do something. I had to do something. We had to get out. We had to take a step. We had to do something to make this dream, to make this reality, to make this call take place. And I'm here to tell you, we haven't seen all the miraculous that God's promised us. Like we're seeing amazing things right now in a small town. We're seeing a church grow up into a size that's never been in this town before. We're, we're seeing your lives and your family's lives completely shifted and altered and changed for the glory of God simply because of what's happening at Radiate Church. We're impacting communities, not just Elgin, but an entire county. And we're now beginning to spread beyond this county into other counties. We're having churches come and learn from us as we learn from them. And so many things are taking place, right? And so some people would go, well, man, that's the miraculous. No, that's not even close to what I feel called that we're, do, we're to do. That's not even it. So I got to continue going, what is the ridiculous? What is the next thing? Because if I don't risk anything, I risk even more. Sometimes we got to be willing. We got to be able. We got to be, uh, uh, we got to be, uh, we got to take the opportunity to look ridiculous in order to see 
the miraculous. Because how many times have we allowed the fear of the ridiculous to talk us out of seeing God's miraculous for our lives? And, and let me tell you this. Progress in 2020 doesn't start with a wish. I get so tired of people telling me, I hope this happens and I wish this would happen. No, progress starts with a step. Stop hoping. Stop wishing. Get out and take a doggone step. You want to get in shape? The first thing you got to do is join the gym. Right? Some of y'all acting offended already today. Are we all right in the room? Right? If you want to eat healthier, guess what you got to go do? Buy some spinach. Right? You can't just hope that I'm going to hope that I can eat healthier and then you sit in the recliner and it's going to fall in your lap. If that happens, we got a lot to talk about. Right? It's not going to start with a wish. It's not going to start with a hope. It's going to start with a step. I want to read the Bible in a year. Then you better go start sitting down every day and reading the Bible. I want to get closer to God. Then start praying. You know what I'm saying? I want to know what God has for my life. Then fast. Don't wish for it. Step out and do it. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 is where we're going to read today because we, we ended at verse 10 last week uh, to where they were sitting there and they crossed the Jordan. They answered the question, what do you want? And Elisha, Elijah looked at Elisha and he said, if you want a double portion of my anointing, like you said, you have to stick with me. You have to stay with me until the day I'm taken up. In other words, you have to be committed to the call. You have to be committed to what you're promised. You have to be committed to what you're willing to do. I believe, can I, can I just get on a rant for a minute, like a spiritual rant? Are you with me? I believe part of the reason we don't see God's movement in our lives like we want is because we don't know how to be committed anymore. We're only committed when it feels good, looks good, smells good, and acts good. But whenever somebody comes against us and does it a way that we don't think it should be done, listen, we'll throw our hands in the air and walk away spiritually. And I see it, I see it spiritually all the time. I don't see it in the natural as much. I, the only place I see it in the, uh, uh, mostly is in marriages and in church. That's it. Because those are the two most important things that are going to connect you to God, right? For instance, if Target made a decision that you didn't like, guess what? The moment you needed a gallon of milk, you'd go back and buy 15 things at, well, at Target. You wouldn't look at the cashier and be like, I don't like what y'all did and I'm never coming back here again. But when it comes to church, here's what we do. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not committed to that. Why? Because I'm more committed to organizational structures than I am to a spiritual uh, vision. Guys, stick with me. Elijah looked at Elisha and said, you got to be committed to what God's promised you. And it's not always going to be easy. We're not always going to uh, uh, sneeze rainbows and cough unicorns. Like, that's not always going to happen. We're not eating Skittles the rest of our life. It's going to be hard. There's going to be tough moments. But I need you to see me when I'm taken up if you really want that to happen. In other words, I need you to be committed. Guys, if you want to see God do something miraculous in your life, learn how to commit to what God's called you to do. And it will not. Please, I, I don't know. There's probably other pastors that will say it way more eloquent than I will and all those things. But it, God is not, you will not see the miraculous by walking from, from field to field. We walk away entirely too easily. Stop. Be committed to what God's called you to do. Understand it's not going to be easy. Understand it's not going to be always in agreement. You're not always going to be uh, 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 fun and, 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 and happy all the time. Sometimes you just got to go, you know what? This is a season that sucks. But I'm committed. You can't say that. I did. I got the mic. It's all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you with me today? I, I feel like it's kind of dead in the room today. I need somebody to just say, I got this. Come on. 2 Kings chapter 2, 
2 Kings chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says it like this. It says, As they were going along and, and they were talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it. That means that he was committed. He was there whenever Elijah was taken up. So he upheld his part. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. That was a sign of mourning and grieving. So he was sad. He was upset. He was frustrated. His mentor was gone now, right? So he tore them into two pieces. Verse 13. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. There's a couple things in this, and I'm going to go fairly fast today, because I just don't believe that we need to drag this out. I think we just need to grab it and go. The truth of the matter is, is that the first thing we have to learn to do is pick up what God's promised us. Pick up what God's promised. I told you earlier, I got young kids around my house. I will leave, I'm a typical male, and so I leave things sitting around the house all the time. I'll leave my keys sitting around, I'll leave my wallet sitting around, I'll leave my drink can sitting around, I'll leave uh, whatever sitting around, right? Because I, I, that's just, I, I guess it's wired in males. I don't know. And so I leave things sitting around, and, 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 and often either my kids will move it, and I have no idea where it's at, or my wife will move it, and to her, she's organizing. To me, she's messing up my system. My system is, I know exactly where I put it. It might not be where you wanted me to put it, but I know where I put it, right? And, and we laugh about that all the time, but we do that, and so we sit it around. This is what we do spiritually a lot of times, is we take things in the moment, and then we sit them down. We use them for the time being, and then we sit them down, and then we forget where they're at or they get moved in time. God's promises were not meant to be shiny objects that we pull out whenever it's convenient for us. God's promises are meant to be lived out every single step of the day, every single moment, every single thing. God's promises were not meant to be shiny objects. This is what we do with scripture. Whenever I'm in a hard situation, I go and find scriptures that, that fit my narrative, and then I repeat those scriptures, whether they're out of context or not, doesn't matter, they fit my narrative, right? And so we use this one all the time uh, in scripture, in promises. The Bible says not to judge. We don't read the entire thing. The Bible actually tells Christians and followers of Jesus to judge each other and that you can be judged by the fruit that you bear. So if the fruit's sour, I can look at you as a fellow believer and go, hey, your fruit's a little sour, so your root may be a little messed up. Don't judge. Don't judge me. Now, judgment... Uh, 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 not beneficial judgment is going to somebody and tearing them down. Beneficial judgment is getting in a small group with somebody and looking at them and going, I, got, I need some help. I need something. My fruit ain't right. You know what I'm saying? We use this one all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The, the plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Man, we love that scripture. It sounds great until you read the previous verses where it says you've got to basically go through hell in order to get to the plans not to prosper you and harm you. Most of us want the promise of prosperity, but we don't want the promise of hell. Come on, somebody. Like hell in life. Like we're going to go through a hard time. Listen, you, we, I don't know where we got this reality or this thought that Christianity is just easy and, and rainbows and unicorns and it's just good. Like it's not. 
It's hard. It's difficult. It's frustrating. It's against the grain. It's going to grate you and grate them. Like God's promises, though, are still true. Here's a few, a few promises I want to give you today. We'll, we'll put these out this week on social media and some other places. But I want you to hear this today, some of God's promises for you. He promises in Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39. He promises his unconditional love for you. That means you don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn God's love. God's love is there for you no matter what. We don't earn it, we accept it. We don't earn it, we receive it. It's not a checklist, it's an opportunity. God's love is unconditional. God doesn't love you any more today than he did yesterday. He loves you the same. The reality is we have to receive it. We have to accept it. His unconditional love is a promise. Psalm 27:10. he promises his companionship. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never go without us. We are always with him. John 3, 16, he promises forgiveness and eternal life. Ephesians 1 and 4, he promises us that our life has purpose outside of our situations in Romans 8 28 no matter what you go through everything works together for the good of those who love God it's a promise of his it's just who he is Philippians 4 13 his power can get you through anything that you're going through in your life John 14 13 through 14 God hears your prayers and God cares about your prayers Matthew 18 20 is anybody hearing this today he promises power through community Galatians 6 9 he promises a harvest when we sow Isaiah 53 and 5 he promises healing through his stripes and through his frustrations through his beating 2 Corinthians 9 8 through 11 he promises that he blesses those who serve others his promises are not dependent on your situation his promises are always there every time God gives you a promise it has your name on it it's already got your name on it you don't have to beg God for a promise he's already given you He's already, we don't have to sit and look at God and go, I just wish you'd forgive me of what I did 15 years ago. It's not a matter of him forgiving you. It's a matter of you accepting his forgiveness and you forgiving you. I wish God would, 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 would bless me. God has blessing for you. But we've got to learn what our part in that whole thing is. His promise for blessing, we want to say God doesn't just bless people. It's not just all that. No, God does bless people. We just don't want to walk in it because there's a part of us that has to do something. His promises never fail. His promises never change. But if they just sit on a shelf as a shiny object, they are of no use to us. Because we have no idea what it means. Many of us walk around slumped shoulders, heads down, defeated, victim mentality, beat up all the time. Why? Because I'm not walking in the confidence of what he's already promised me. Because what's in me is stronger than what's outside of me. And so because of what's around me, and I mean because of what's in me, what's around me doesn't have to defeat me. And I can throw my shoulders back and I can walk around and go, no, I know that I know that I'm going through something rough. But Romans 8, 28, God promises me that all things work together for the good of those who love him. And I know that this is going to work together. Eventually, one day, it's going to happen. I can get through the frustrating seasons whenever I know his promises. And so Elisha is with Elijah. Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind through a chariot of fire. He's taken up and his mantle falls on the ground. And at that moment, hear me, at that moment, Elisha has a choice. Elisha can stare at the mantle that he was promised. Please pick up on this. He was promised this mantle. He was promised this purpose. He was promised 
this thing that was going to happen. And it's now laying on the ground. And Elisha could go, all right, there it is. And it says he tore his clothes. Remember, he tore his clothes in two. Why? Because it was a sign of grieving and mourning. Wouldn't it have been a shame if Elisha would have spent seasons mourning and grieving something that had taken place and he never picked up what could take place? How many times do we sit in seasons to where we mourn and we grieve something that's taking place in our lives or has taken place? This person did that. This hurt happened to me. This did that. And blah, 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 whatever it is. And so we sit in a season of grieving and mourning and so we miss every other season that God's called us to. And so he's sitting there and he's got an option. He goes, I can pick up what God's promised me or I can let it sit there and I can stare at it. And that's the same thing that you have today. God's promises are real. God's promises are forever. God's promises never fail. And they're sitting there and it's up to you to pick it up, not me. I can't pick up God's promises for your life. You have to. I have to for my life, for my family, for my my ministry, for my church, for my life. I got to pick up God's promises for me. You can't do that for me. I can't talk you into it. It's only up to you. So he picks it up, and then he does something that is so amazing to me. Verse 14, let's read it again. It says, he took the mantle. So he picked up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he struck the waters and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Elisha started where Elijah ended. Elisha started where Elijah ended. Elijah's last miracle was Elisha's first. Sometimes we need to look at what somebody else is teaching us and start learning to pick up where they left off. Stop saying nobody knows anything but me. Learn from everybody. Everybody can teach us something. Everybody can teach us something in this moment. And so we're in this thing. And and here's the second thing we got to do in verse 14. Not only that, but we got to learn to use God's promises. We got to learn to use God's promises. Go throughout scripture. Do you know what? I'm I'm reading through uh, chronologically. I'm reading through the Bible in one year, a chronological Bible. So in time, it's not by chapter that we know it in our Bibles. It's in time. And so here's the thing. Here's what I'm learning. People in the Old Testament especially, do you know what they did a lot of times? They didn't just go and go, God, this is what I'm praying and I hope this happens. They reminded God of promises that he gave them and they prayed scripture. And so in prayer, they'd be like, hey, God, you said that this was going to happen and now this has happened. So I need you to still come through on your promise and make this happen. And every single time God still did it. Why? God never lies. God never lies. How do we learn how to use God's promises? We stop holding on to it like a shiny toy and we start striking some waters. Think about this. Elisha picks up the previous prophet's mantle, right? Picks it up. He's holding on to it. He's standing at the water that was just split by the previous prophet. He's standing there, and everybody on the other side of the bank is watching him going, that guy is about to try this. He's not Elijah. He can't do that. He's not the guy that was called. That's not even his mantle. That's not even his cloak. That's not what he's called to do. He's about to look like a fool. That guy's about to look stupid. In other words, he's about to look ridiculous. And Elisha had to have this moment in his mind where he goes, I don't care how ridiculous I look. 
I know what I've been promised, and I'm about to see something miraculous. You think I'm ridiculous, but when it happens, you're going to see something ridiculous. I mean, miraculous. And so he takes the water and the cloak, and he, he strikes the water, and I can see the people on the other side looking at him being like, man, that guy's crazy. What's wrong with him? He can't do that. His name's Elisha, not Elijah. Sounds the same, but it's not the same. I don't get it. And all of a sudden, they start to hear something under the water start to roar. And some bubbles start to come up from the very spot that just closed back up again and they crossed over. And they start to go, either that's a really big catfish or this guy's got an anointing on his life. And all of a sudden they start seeing the water go from bubbles to walls that part. And here's the amazing thing. It says that the ground was dry when he crossed over. Think about this. When God touches something, it doesn't have to be messy. I know it's messy in your life right now, but when God parts it, it's dry ground and you can always trust it. And it doesn't have to be messy, doesn't have to be harmful. It's dry ground. That's what I love about God. And so they begin to go from he's ridiculous to he is the chosen one that can do the miraculous. He's carrying the anointing of the previous prophet, Elijah. And here's, here's what I want to just encourage you with today. What is your next ridiculous step what is it now that you know some of God's promise and that's just some there's so many more I, I could sit here all day and tell you God's promises in the Bible but here's the thing like we don't ever see anything miraculous take place in that until we are willing to look ridiculous until we're willing to look at people and go I know I know I know you think I'm crazy that I get up every single Sunday morning at 5.30 and get to the church at 6.30 to set up in an elementary school. But I'm just crazy enough to believe that thousands of people can fill the room and I got to do what only I can do so that he can do what only he can do. That's, that's ridiculous, but I'm going to see miraculous. Hey, I know you think it's ridiculous that a portion of a large portion of my uh, uh, salary and my finances goes to a building that's not even up yet. But I'm just going to do whatever's ridiculous to you because God's told me to. And I'm going to see a miraculous movement in Kershaw County. We're going to build a building. I, I, I know it's ridiculous that, that, that I'm fasting right now and I'm not eating lunch with you like I normally do. I know that's ridiculous. I, I, I get it. I see it in your mind. But I'm going to see something miraculous in my marriage because of it, you know. Like, I know, I know, I know. Listen, I serve like crazy at my church. I know it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Every Tuesday night or Thursday night, it, it, I go to a, somebody's house and we eat pizza and we talk about life and we, we talk about each other's life and we help each other grow spiritually. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous to you because I'm not supposed to share that stuff, but I'm going to see something miraculous because there's something that happens in community and I'm a part of a life group. And I know you think that's ridiculous, but to me, it's miraculous. For some of you, here's the conversation that it's ridiculous that I'm getting up on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and I'm going to be at church by 11 o'clock and I'm going to be there and I'm going to sit in a church for the first time in my entire life. I know that felt ridiculous, but congratulations, you're a part of something miraculous because God's doing something in your life. Give it up for the people that walked in the room today and that was their ridiculous step. You see what I'm saying? Like, what is the ridiculous? What is it? What is the is it putting a picture of a coworker on your refrigerator so you always pray for them when you walk by? Why do you have a picture of them on your refrigerator? That's ridiculous. 
Yeah, I'm going to see something miraculous in their life, though. What is it? Because I'm here to tell you, hear me. Please, please do not walk out of the room without understanding this. God masters in the ridiculous. He wants it to look ridiculous to you. He wants it to look ridiculous to me. He wants it to feel uncomfortable. He wants it to be just crazy. Why? Because then the promise in my weakness, he is made strong. Notice, I never said, what is your next comfortable step that you feel like you can take and it's an easy step and it's good and it's just the first step. Do you know why? Great things don't happen in comfort. Change never happens in comfort. Change happens whenever we're willing to get uncomfortable and do the ridiculous. Elisha, I love, love, love the story of Elisha. And Elisha goes, I don't care what y'all think about me. I know what I've been promised. And I've been promised a double portion. And I'm not going to wait. And I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to grab the mantle as soon as it falls. And I'm going to strike the water immediately. Because I'm ready to get started on this thing. Procrastination ain't in my blood. I'm going forth and I'm going to cross the river. Because God, you got something to do and something to prove. I'm going to strike the waters today. I'm going to see something happen in my life and in theirs today. Now we never see, and I'm closing. I could preach on this all day. We never hear how impactful that was to the people across the river that saw it. But I would venture to say that it was probably really, really powerful that they saw a man that didn't sit in his grief, but he stood in his opportunity and he swung the cloak, the mantle he was promised, and he was willing to do the ridiculous. I would be willing to say it probably impacted them for the rest of their lives. And maybe it will for you too. And here's what I know. Some of you today have got a next step to take. Hey, maybe, maybe it's this. You want to see something miraculous in your church? Can I tell you? We need you to serve in your church. The miraculous I want to see is I want to see a building put up. Then I need you to pray about giving to Waymaker. Hey, maybe, maybe it's in your marriage. Hey, I need to be, I need my marriage to hit another level. Then you need to find out what is the next step to be the spouse that you're praying that they will be. Maybe, maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's in your circle of friends. I don't know. For some of us, our next steps are ridiculous for us, but simple for others. And that doesn't matter. What is your ridiculous uncomfortable step that you need to take so that God can do the miraculous. If you would stand to your feet with me today, because I'm going to want to pray and I want to see what that is for you. I want God to illuminate it in your life, put a spotlight on it. For some of you, the ridiculous next step is to surrender your life to Jesus today. To say, Jesus, I give you everything I've got. I surrender it all. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Whatever it is, Jesus, maybe that's your next step. And the others, it's going to be different. And we're going to pray over that too. But if you would bow your heads with me today, if you're in the room, and you say, my next ridiculous step is to give my life to Jesus. Surrender my life to Jesus. Start a new life. Start it all over with Him. If that's you and you're in the room today and you've never prayed that prayer and it's time for salvation, would you hold your hand up right where you are as high as you can so that we can pray with you and walk through this with you uh, every step of the way. You're going to feel a clipboard slide in your hand. 
And when you feel it, just grab it and you can put your hand down. But we're all going to pray together because I believe some people's ridiculous next step is now an eternal promise of salvation and a new eternal promise of kingdom in their lives. Let's all pray this together out loud. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you for forgiveness. Welcome me into the family of God. Thank you for your unconditional love, for the sacrifice of your life so that I can have life. I love you. I dedicate to walk with you and I will be with you no matter what. Thank you for giving me a spot in the kingdom of God. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would begin to illuminate some things in our lives that we need to take that ridiculous step. If you're in the room today with eyes closed and you'd say, I I don't know what it is, or maybe you do know what it is, but I gotta take a ridiculous step to go to the next level, to start fast and to finish strong, it's time for me to do something to see something miraculous. Would you hold your hand up in the air right where you are, all across the room? Hands are going up. I'm gonna pray over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I begin to speak that the Holy Spirit would fill their lives, God, that an empowerment that is supernatural would begin to take over. God, whatever the ridiculous step is for their marriage, for their coworker, God, for their family, for their friends, for their church, God, whatever it is, if they take a next step at the Connect Center to serve or give or, or whatever it is, God, I pray, or life group, God, I pray that right now that whatever their ridiculous step is, God, that it would be anointed, it would be appointed, God, that it would be given by you, Lord, that we would see the ridiculous. What we see now is not all that we have to see. There's more from you for us. There's more from you for this county. There's more for from you for our lives. And God, I pray that right now we surrender it all. We give you everything we have. And God, that we would take whatever ridiculous step is possible and we would walk out your promises and we would know that you have it all under control. Father, we honor you. We worship you and we give you praise in this room today. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, here's what I believe. I believe progress is starting today. I believe our lives are being changed today. I believe transformation takes place today. Grab some invite cards. Go by the Connect Center. Let's go change the world this week. I'll see you next Sunday.